Hey everybody, this is comedian John Hepburn, and you're listening to P.S. Tape Record. Hello there, I'm P.F., this is my tape recorder. Coming up, comedian and juggler Chris Bliss. But uh, juggling ultimately is creatively very confining. You can only do so much with it. It took me a while to listen to my friends. Actually, the first people started telling me to get into comedy were in Minneapolis. You know, when I was living up there in the early 80s, it took a while for me to finally listen because I was having such a good ride with the shiny objects. We'll hear more from Chris in just a little bit, including an update on the MyBillOfRights.org project that he's been behind for these past couple of years now. Is Mitt Romney running for president again in 2016? We have some information on that. But first, as always, fake news. And now, fake news with me. Astronauts on board the International Space Station were evacuated this past week to the Russian segment of the station after alarms were triggered that could be indicative of an apparent ammonia leak. Although an earlier report from Russia's Federal Space Agency claimed that there were harmful emissions, NASA has since clarified that there is no hard data to suggest that there was any real ammonia leak, and that the problem is likely a faulty sensor or computer relay, or they forgot to change the batteries in the detector. The Oakland Raiders have told interim head coach Tony Sparano that he will not be getting the full-time job, clearing the way for the team to hire Jack Del Rio. At a press conference, Sparano said, Whew. Kelly Clarkson is thrilled to be a mother, but said she had a horrible pregnancy. In an interview with BBC Radio 1, the stronger singer said her nausea was so bad that she would throw up up to 25 times a day. But then she stopped going on Facebook and her symptoms cleared up. Urban Meyer and the national champion Ohio State Buckeyes football team returned home to a rousing greeting. About 75 fans greeted the Buckeyes when they arrived at Columbus Airport in the middle of the night, fresh off their 42-20 victory over Oregon in the inaugural championship game of the college football playoff this past Monday in Dallas. Fans partied in the streets of Columbus to the wee hours of the morning after the victory, with dumpsters being set on fire and several arrests being made. Said one bystander, I wasn't sure if we'd won the championship or if a cop shot an unarmed teenager. A cash-trapped division of casino giant Caesars Entertainment Corporation said early Thursday that it filed for bankruptcy protection in Chicago, hoping the court agrees to its plan to get out from under $18.4 billion of debt. (laughs) Boy, if you thought it was tough to win in their casinos before. Google says its Translate app can now act as an interpreter with the addition of a real-time voice translation module. It said the updated app would automatically recognize languages being spoken and translate them. The update, launched this past Wednesday, also allows users to instantly translate messages using their phone's camera. The app also eerily suggests things you might want to buy based on past purchases and what you're talking about. And finally, Miley Cyrus appears nude in the latest issue of V Magazine. Pictures from the photo shoot have quickly circulated around the internet, and in a related story, Kelly Clarkson is throwing up again. And that's been Fake News with me. Here we've just gotten into 2015, and the 2016 presidential race is already heating up. Can you believe it? Mitt Romney has announced he may run in 2016. In fact, it's looking kind of likely that he's going to do that. Now, uh, he met with Reince Priebus, the chairman of the RNC. And uh, well, I don't know if you guys uh, know out there, I used to work for a, uh, a radio show here in Cincinnati called The Gary Burbank Show. 
and uh, Gary used to use a hidden mic sometimes to find stuff out, and he's retired now, and I think the statute of limitations had run out. But uh, when he retired, he mailed me the hidden mic, the old BBC hidden mic, and from time to time I have used it. I think I've used it once or twice before, and, uh, well, I, I couldn't resist. And, you know, being that the fact that carrying on the tradition of Gary's show, uh, that we're Freedom Act terrorist-catching kinds of guys who know that your, your right to know supersedes your right to exist, we still uphold that principle that, that Gary always uh, always thrust upon us, uh, we decided we'd uh, kind of listen into this conversation between Reince Priebus uh, and Mitt Romney. So um, I'm just going to throw the switch here. It might sound a little tinny because it's a little tiny microphone because uh, we haven't, it's, it's old technology, but um, uh, you'll find this very insightful. Here we go. Oh, good morning, Reince. Uh, what can I do for you? Uh, good morning, Mitt. Please, not so formal, please call me Mr. Romney. Heck, call me Mr. President. <laughs> I'm kidding you. That's just an example of how I've loosened up since 2012. Uh, uh, yes, uh, about that president thing there, uh, Mitt. Oh, yes, I know. Uh, the people have realized they made a mistake by not picking me last time. I'm certainly they want to rectify that. Why, I'll see to it that unemployment gets down below 6%, GDP growth goes to 5%, and gas prices get down below 250 a gallon. Uh, well, about all that. Actually, uh, no, never mind. Anyway, the polls, uh, show so far the Republicans favor... Oh, I know! They favor guns, uh, and religion, and, and carrying guns around the grocery store. Why, I'm all for that. I'm packing heat right now, in fact. <laughs> Ow! Oh, I, I, I seem to have shot myself in the foot. <laughs> well, it wouldn't be the first time, but it is the first time I've actually done it literally. Looks like I'm going to need a new pair of loafers. Uh, are you okay, Mitt? Never better. Anyway, as I was saying, I'm relatable. I've learned to listen to the common people. People like you, Reince Priebus. I'm in touch with the ordinary folk. Uh, I touched one the other day while he was shining my shoes. Uh, Jeb Bush, or a... Jeb Bush, the last remnants of a false dynasty, am I right? You would think that a guy would understand how the people feel about him. The Bush name is like a joke now, not like the legacy of the Romney name in politics. Did I mention that I understand jokes now? (laughs) Uh, look, Mitt, you're just not... Just not whistling Dixie, as the kids say. Hey, speaking of jokes, that's a nice fake Jeb Bush 2016 button you're wearing. What? I'm not... Hey, that's not a fake Jeb Bush 2016 button. That's, that's a, a hidden, hidden micro- micro- And that's where we lost the transmission. Hey, folks, remember this? Dear Joey, getting my hair done. Be back at 3.30. Please go to Lawson's and pick up bread, lunch meat, potato salad, and pop. And if you want... Or this? We have fresh ideas at Red Barn, like the salad bar for you. This is the third time my husband went back to the salad bar. Or how about this? Well, Home Shirts has all of your vintage apparel needs, recalling all the great brands and restaurants of yesteryear, particularly from the cities of Cincinnati, Cleveland, Indianapolis, Pittsburgh, Philadelphia, Milwaukee, and St. Louis, but also from brands around the country. Just head to homeshirts.com and check out all of our vintage apparel needs, including restaurants, stores, great sports teams. Check it out, and when you order specifically from Home Shirts Cleveland, we make a couple of bucks, and we really appreciate it. Merry-go-round. Unique fashions for guys and gals. And don't forget to check out our collection of defunct teams from such leagues as the American Basketball Association, the World Hockey Association, the World Football League, and many more at HomeShirts.com. Chris Bliss is a stand-up comedian originally from Washington, D.C. He's gone viral on the internet two completely different times. Once, doing his grand finale juggling routine, and a few years later, doing a TED Talk called Comedy is Translation. Here now is our interview with Chris Bliss. 
You know, for a second, I thought you were actually interviewing uh, uh, somebody about the uh, attacks yesterday. I thought, wow, he's really changed his show. <laughs> I didn't realize I'd uh, I've been linking to some stuff because I work with a cartoonist rights group. And, oh, okay. Uh, oh, okay. This is a uh, uh, tough time for them. The executive director of the group knows. Yeah. I think he knew six of the people that were killed yesterday. Wow. Oh, okay. Well, we'll um we'll just uh get, do a soft intro like Marin does. And uh, just start recording uh, now. I guess it's it's been a while since uh, we spoke. Um, I guess the first thing, what's new with you? Well, I dumped that dead weight Josh Weinstein. Off of <laughs> I just spoke to him. Yeah, I spoke to him in December uh, in advance of his shows there in uh, in Minneapolis. Yeah, he thought he was ready to go solo after 25 years. And <laughs> no, that's not fair. <laughs> no, uh, so. What's new as far as what we're doing up at uh, Acme this time is that it's is that uh, this would be my show and this would be the first time in a number of years that it hasn't been Josh and I together, uh, which would be fun, you know, because it's uh, uh, although after Josh did his, he said, you know, it was weird. I know it's going to be weird walking out on stage uh, by myself uh, after so many years of doing it together with him, uh, but but I'm looking forward to it because it's such a great room. Uh, the other stuff that's new with me is. Uh, just this other work that I do, the Bill of Rights Monument Project stuff. I got a big event happening in Washington with uh, Louis Black and Tommy Smothers and Dick Gregory and oh, wow. uh, Cristela Alonzo and Ahmed Ahmed and John Fugelsang. Uh, uh, Bill of Rights Comedy Concert. It's called Let Freedom Laugh at the end of February. And, oh, wow. And, and that's pretty cool. I mean, that's something I'm spending a lot of time on now. And, you know, it's funny. You can you wind up getting involved in these other things, and you think, "Well, I'll do my job, and these will be these other things that I do." And yeah, then yeah. the field flips on you, and the next thing you do, it's like, "Geez, I seem to be spending a lot of time on human rights these days." <laughs> well, it's uh, funny. I was going to say, um, you you know, appearing at the Acme, of course, but do you do get a chance to do stand up anywhere else, or is it one of those things where it's just you like the room and you you make you make time to to go there? Mostly club-wise, Acme is I, I, it's the only club I've done in, in a number of years. Uh, I still do some uh, I, I still do some corporate events that involve comedy. Most of them aren't straight comedy anymore because uh, you got to make a living, right? right? And uh, and I do some work on cruise ships, which is uh, uh, you know it's so funny when I first started doing comedy, which is uh, close to twenty five years ago. The phrase among comedians for anybody that worked on ships was that you were a boat act. I've never heard that. Yeah. Oh, no. You're just a, he's a boat act, you know, and, and yeah. especially since I came out of variety, there were a lot of variety acts that were strictly making their living on these ships. And uh, I, I won't, uh, I mean, I have my own opinions on an act by act basis as to uh, what I think of that, but it's kind of ironic now because half of my friends who are comics are making half of their living on ships now because uh, you know the demographics changed and some yep. of these ships actually have comedy clubs on board now and no language restrictions so it doesn't have oh. to be these uh, kind of really it's funny that it'd be a watered down act on a boat isn't it but uh, there you go <laughs> uh, so I do uh, I do some uh, ship work some of that's interesting and uh, and uh, and I'm you know just doing some creative writing as well that you never know what that's who's going to see that and who isn't but quite a lot of the focus has been uh, putting together this Washington event and uh, and and doing that uh, doing those other things that interest you that's the reason that Josh and I were working together on stage is that 
we wanted to do a show that was just us and it was a great place to do it it was almost more like a theatrical show than anything else yeah and uh and acme is such a good room uh that i'm willing to go there on the 20th of january that's how good of a room it is yeah, well, it's uh, it not it's uh, it must be very cold there. I'm in Cincinnati, of course, and it is uh, it was minus one this morning, so I can imagine what it's like up in Minnesota right now. Yeah, I'm hoping they'll get a warm spell and it'll get to minus one by the time I get to Minneapolis. <laughs> <laughs> um, so let let's update on the first or on the uh, Bill of Rights project. Where I, it was Texas and Arizona is where you were trying to get. Uh, the monuments built. Where where are we at as far as uh, of uh, the record? The Arizona there? monument was completed and dedicated on Bill of Rights Day in 2012, which okay. is uh, December 15th. So that just celebrated its second anniversary. It's beautiful. Oh, cool! If people want to go take a look, go go up on mybillofrights.org and and uh, and just take a look at some of the uh, uh, photos up there. It's I mean it's it's pretty exceptional. And since then, as the result of some people who were at the comedy event that we did there and uh, some other people that uh, connected with and with Newman's Own Foundation, uh, who has been a supporter of us for four straight years, mybillofrights.org for four straight years, and now we're trying to take the lessons learned from the successful effort in Arizona and uh, roll that into a matching fund endowment to help other states uh, as a matching fund so that if they organize local efforts, we'll come in, walk them through the monument process, oh, okay. and we will match them at the certain benchmarks to help them get the momentum and uh, to to complete these projects. Because, you know, if you can cut that mountain in half by saying we will match you and then give them the consultation that they need to go through the monument process, I figure if we get six, seven, eight more of these going around the country pretty soon, it'll be something that every state capital wants, which is the ultimate goal. And I don't think anybody's ever attempted anything like this before. Uh, it would be unprecedented to have, uh, they'd be unique monuments. There wouldn't be the same monument at all 50 state capitals. But to have the Bill of Rights at all 50 state capitals in monumental form, if you just stop and think about that, people don't really get the power of something like that in a single sentence. But when you realize that every school kid goes to a field goes on a field trip to their state capital at some point. Yeah. Uh, which is, you know, millions of school children every year going to their state capital. And then if you can imagine that there is monuments of the Bill of Rights there for the next 100 years, uh, as far as just uh, the basic principles the country's founded on, not to mention that every time those legislators walk into the building, the Bill of Rights is in the background. I mean, it's I grew up in a city of monuments, Washington, D.C., so I understand their iconic and idealistic value uh, and impact. And if you, yeah, I mean, if you have millions of kids for the next hundred years, that's hundreds of millions of impressionable, impressionable young Americans being inspired in one form or another, at least exposed to the importance of these principles in the Bill of Rights. And I'm not naive enough to think that they will all be moved by that. But, you know, the ones that it has an impact on, those are going to be the ones that wind up working in and around those buildings and in and around government and in and around civic and civil service. And uh, I think, uh, you know, with the kind of stuff that's been going on in our country for so long and people wondering exactly who and what we are anymore, replanting these kind of really basic deep-level ideas uh, for a, over a period of a century, among all these young people, 
Uh, uh, let's put it this way. Uh, it can only help. Are there, is there any one state that's closer than another at this point for putting up the next monument? Uh, I would have to say, I mean, we have approval for a monument project here in Texas, okay. uh, but it's so it, it, that's a large scale project, and it's uh, and the money necessary just has never showed up. It's a couple million dollars, and it's hard to get people to be, you know, first in the pool on a number like that. Uh, Oklahoma appears as if they're going to uh, go forward and authorize a monument this year, and I have a number of people there. I think can put an executive committee together to get that started. Uh, but I'm hoping what comes out of the Washington D.C. event is two or three people come forward and go, "How much do you need to get a mo- to get a matching fund started in my state?" Oh, and, okay. And then and then it uh, moves on from that. Uh, also, this is a uh, uh, interesting to me, and I'm not sure where it will lead yet. But I got an e- several emails from Michael Moore over the holiday. Oh wow! Because he was. Uh, airing the interview at his that the theater he owns in Traverse City, Michigan. And he asked me to send up some Bill of Rights wallet cards that we have on our site because he wanted to give the Bill of Rights out to people that were watching the movie. Oh, yeah. Uh, and he says he really likes the project. So I mean, I keep thinking, you know, I haven't been able, I'm just about to get back in touch with him and go, well, let's pick up that conversation if you really want to get this started. You know, um, how about you help underwrite this concert and possibly uh, we'll do something uh uh, in Michigan, you know, so uh, because it doesn't have to be extremely costly. And in, in monument terms, it's nothing, really. We could put a Bill of Rights monument at every state capital in the country for somewhere pretty close to what the Vietnam Veterans Memorial in Washington, D.C. cost. And I'm not talking 50 times that. I'm talking 50 monuments. Oh, for, just for that. Cost of what the Vietnam Memorial uh, uh, would cost to build in today's dollars. Wow. So... Uh, so it's, it's, uh, it's really, you know, I, if you have to pitch it as return on investment, I just go, this is not, uh, you know, people think monument, they think, well, that Martin Luther King thing cost $140 million. Yeah. We're not talking about that. We're talking about, uh, you know, something that can still be, if people see the one that's in Arizona and see it, it can still be monumental, uh, impactful, beautiful, iconic and artistic, but you know. Uh, half a million dollars or less, you could probably do this per site, and so so that's the other part of it. It's really doable. It sounds like what are you crazy? Monuments at all fifty state capitals with a twelve and a half million dollar matching fund. I think we could do it. Oh yeah, and that's 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 uh, that's small change compared to the other things that the government spends its money on. Well, we're not looking for government funding, but even in terms of nonprofit funding, well, just, yeah. it's uh, it's uh, for a project of this of this scope and impact, I think it's uh, really, really doable. And it's interesting when you see the kind of art, I mean, artists have actually been the ones most responsible from, from, uh, you know, I had the opportunity to meet Paul Newman, which is how that contact got started. That was uh, many years ago, uh, obviously before Mr. Newman died. And it's been people like Lewis Black and Dick Gregory and Tommy Smothers that have come forward to help support these concert ideas. And, now it's uh, moving out broader into the artist community. So, you know, it's just you keep striking that match and hope that, you know, that at some point it, it, the, the fire will catch and spread. But uh, I, I didn't expect to uh, have the kind of opportunity we have in Washington. But for me, it's exciting. And I think for most artists, you know, uh, the whole, not just freedom of expression, but just the general, you know, it, you have to be surrounded by a, a drive for 
to express what hasn't been expressed. And, and also uh, justice, I think, is uh, something that very much drives uh, artistic expression. Yeah, yeah, you know? definitely. And people don't think about that. I mean, that's a little on the abstract side, but really, m- most artists uh, are, are stimulated. Let me just kill that. Most artists are stimulated by... Uh, th- their conversation begins by them wondering uh, a-, a feeling that something is amiss, something is wrong, and how can they change that? So, now, uh, you- sorry about the phone. That's okay. Uh, now, you-, you grew up in the D.C. area. Did you always have an interest in government and civics as well as being interested in comedy? Uh <clears throat> I, I never had an interest in it. I mean, I, I that came late. Uh, oh, okay. I always had an interest in communication. That was my main interest. Was uh, I wanted? To, I've always been very curious. I've always kind of lived in the world of ideas. And uh, the best comedy, the best sat- satire, I think, comes out of that uh, of examination of ideas. And uh, that's why I think it's when I tried to piece out how I, you know, piece together how I got to this thing with uh, stuff like human rights and the bill of rights well these are powerful ideas and i'm attracted to the power of ideas and uh and 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 again really good comedy has really good ideas in it and uh and making them funny is uh is uh is 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 a joy now you didn't start off in uh doing stand-up in the conventional way you came through it through uh another form of showbiz if memory serves nice lead in nice lead in Peter. good one there you go thank you uh, yeah, I mean, I started off as a juggling act. But I try to avoid that word whenever possible because yeah. uh, it's so funny. I, I was t- I emailed Josh yesterday. I said, Josh, I don't know what this means, but I have two new friend requests on my Facebook page. One's from a hypnotist and the other's yeah. from a guy who's flanked by two puppets that look like Jeff Dunham rejects. Yeah. <laughs> so what have I done wrong in my life? <laughs> Please be my friend, but uh, uh, yeah, the juggling, uh, you, which is all uh, people can find that online too if sure. they look up Chris Bliss' uh, amazing juggling finale. That was actually one of the first viral videos. Yeah, that I still I still do. I'll close with it up at Acme uh, because Lewis pays me a percentage of the door, and people love it. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, you know, dummy. Actually, I also still enjoy it. So, uh, so I came from this juggling thing, and uh, and it was weird. I mean, I went from traveling around the Pacific Northwest doing bar gigs with a with a band that was doing original music there and then about 10 years later I was on tour with Michael Jackson playing stadiums on that thriller tour that he did and it was like I don't know how this got to there but uh, juggling ultimately is creatively very confining you can only do so much with it yeah uh, took me a while to listen to my friends actually the first people started telling me to get into comedy were in Minneapolis oh, okay yeah when I was living up there in the early 80s uh, and 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 it took a while for me to finally listen because I was having such a good ride with the shiny objects. But uh, a few years after the Jackson tour, it was pretty clear that I, you know, I was either going to be doing twelve-minute variety act in, in Las Vegas for the rest of my life, or I'd better find something else. And that sounded more like a prison sentence than a career. So yeah. Um. So. Uh, you went viral twice, actually, with two really. <laughs> Sorry about that. That's okay. <laughs> I was gonna say you uh, went viral uh, twice, really, with two 
seemingly completely different things. One with the uh, the amazing juggling act. Well, then there was a part two of that because the Fat Boy Slim performance on Letterman. But then you had that huge TED Talk that also did really well. Oh, that was really great fun, and I think that's where I started to describe to to discover the through line in all this. Uh, the talk is uh, called Comedy is Translation. People can find it up on TED.com or, yep. or it's on ChrisBliss.com also, which is my uh, uh, corporate website. I don't have a personal website right now. Um, and that was just a great opportunity. Uh, I did it as one of the TEDx's, the one that uh, out in Seattle, and it wound up getting picked up by Big Ted, and uh, I think it has over half a million views. And I think it's one of the better pieces of, uh, of work and of writing that I've done. And I was really happy that, uh, that it found an audience. And uh, it was actually inspired by, uh, I, was a, I was a comp literature major in college, a comp comparative literature, reading stuff in translation from all over the world. And one of okay. my favorite writers was a guy named Gabriel Garcia Marquez. Oh, it's funny you say that. I just finished reading uh, A Death Foretold. And I was like, yeah, you know, I'm, is the translation maybe not good here? Because I just, you know, I got through. It's only 120 pages, whatever it is. But I think, I don't know, maybe I'm just not sophisticated enough. But I don't know. I just, I felt I might have been missing something. I haven't read that one. I don't know which translator that is. But uh, if you read uh, the translations by uh, uh, Gregory Rabassa, and I don't know if Rabassa did that one or not. Uh, but I, when I was reading, I mean, he's got some very odd books. A uh, hundred years of solitude is a few yeah, hundred pages his, long, and I think there's one. maybe four sentences in the whole book. It's very stream of consciousness, uh, or maybe that's Autumn of the Patriarch. I get I get it mixed up. But I was really loved Marquez, and the translation seemed so vibrant to me on the Marquez books that I was reading. And then I found out this, that his translator had actually written a book about the art of translation. And oh. very early in the book, he has this great quote, uh, which is that every act of communication is an act of translation. Uh, and I thought, wow, oh. that's totally true. Because what I am trying to tell you and what you're hearing, how often does that work out? And comedy is particularly, uh, you know, a, a, not, a, not a straight line kind of communication. So uh, I just thought that was a really powerful insight, and that's what I built the TED Talk around. Why is it so difficult for us to communicate? And it's because, you know, what words mean to me and what they mean to you are not exactly the same thing. Often we're in two different conversations. Any married couple knows what I'm talking about when I say that. Oh, yeah. You know, uh, and... And often with an, uh, when you're speaking to an audience as a comedian uh, or any audience as a speaker, they've come in, everyone comes in with their set of beliefs and their defense mechanisms and where their walls and lines are drawn that you're not supposed to uh, go past. And when you're in front of that audience trying to figure out, well, what part of this message is going to be, you know, preaching to the choir, that's easy. You know, but yeah. the real communication that takes place when it's not preaching to the choir, when it opens up to a whole new kind of, of oh, I hadn't thought of that before, the aha moments, as people call them, that's where when you start to really investigate how this communication as translation phenomenon happens and why comedy is such a great example of it, uh, then I think what you can take the lessons that you learn as a stand-up comic and apply them more broadly to being able to... Uh, uh, to communicate with people, both to be open to the new ideas that they have and to open them to the perspectives that you have, uh, 
with the one uh, caveat that uh, I had a talk, I've had several friends who were talk show hosts, and I asked them, how do you deal with all these people that come at you and they're very angry about your points of view? And he says, well, it's fine with me as long as I, I try to honor that most people come to their point of view through the experience of their life, and we all experience different things and are, grow up in different areas. He said, but when they cross that line to where they're just being, you know, asses, that I won't tolerate. Yeah. So the whole idea of being able to honor that other people do come by their opinions through their own life experiences that are different from yours and that there's value in most of that, uh, it's, it's a good place to start, although it seems to be getting harder these days, doesn't it? Well, it sounds fascinating, and uh, sounds like you're having a good time. Do you, do you wish you could do more uh, stand-up, though? As uh, you know, as, even though you're doing all these other projects, and and you sound which is also very fulfilling, of course. But you do you long to do more stand-up, or are you did a nice mix of with the stuff you're doing. You know, I, I, uh, uh, I I've been in the middle of a kind of serious phase in terms of the work that I've been doing in my life. Uh, but yeah, I would like to do more satire. That's for sure. Oh yeah. And it's not really helpful in fundraising when you start <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> when you're trying to get people to write checks. Yeah, <laughs> uh, you know, it's like people. You know, it's like, well, why do you have the Bill of Rights in translation on your website? And they say, well, the reason I have it in Spanish is that there's a bunch of states where those people are going to be in the majority soon, and I'd like them to understand my rights when they are. Yeah, <laughs> good, that's a good idea. You, know, you can't say that to people. You know, you have to uh, you have to sort of tap dance around it. So yeah, I think when uh, whenever I move past whatever this thing is. Uh, I, I will really seek the refuge of humor because uh, uh, the world's too serious and, uh, and, and there's nothing, still nothing as satisfying to me as, as, uh, you know, as a really funny premise and a really funny joke. Oh, yeah. Well, amen. Well, terrific, man. I'll appreciate you taking the time today, and uh, good luck up there in Minneapolis. Dress warmly, of course, and um, this is being printed online in City Pages as usual. So you can look for it when you're oh, up there. Good. And, you know, I, when I lived up there, I always tell people, they say, well, you lived up here. Why did you leave? And I said, well, I came out one morning and the windshield of my car had cracked from the cold. It had oh, been wow. like 30 degrees below zero. And at first I was really super angry until I took a closer look at the crack. And it was actually shaped uh, in the outline of the California coast. And at that point, yeah. I knew it was a message from God, and that's when huh. I moved to L.A. <laughs> there you go, man. All right. Well, terrific. Uh, like, Once you get all these things uh, sorted away, maybe we'll get you down here in Cincinnati as well. One of these days, hopefully when it's above zero. Yeah, sounds good, man. All right. Well, uh, talk to you later. Hey, thanks, man. I appreciate right. it. Bye-bye. Thanks again to Chris Bliss for being on the show. You can catch Chris Tuesday, January 20th through Saturday, January 24th at the Acme Comedy Company up there in Minneapolis. Really his only true stand-up dates of the year, at least in a club environment. He will also be performing as part of the Let Freedom Laugh concert Saturday, February 28th in Washington, D.C., along with Louis Black, Dick Gregory, Tom Smothers, and some other notable comedians as well. Don't forget to go to Home Shirts and get yourself a nice vintage T-shirt. Again, we uh, cover Cleveland, Philadelphia, we see Cincinnati, Pittsburgh, 
Indianapolis and St. Louis and Milwaukee. But even if you're not from those cities, we have some national uh, logos on there as well, like National Record Mart, IRS Records, Merry-Go-Round. You heard that in the spot. You heard that back there uh, in the middle of the show. So, uh, And even if you're not from those areas, it might be cool. Like, uh, I'm not from Chicago. We don't have any shirts for Chicago yet, but I'd love to have a Marshall Fields uh, T-shirt, the old department store there. So yeah, it would be kind of cool. Maybe you're from Seattle and you would have a Higby shirt, you know, from Cleveland. That'd, that'd be kind of cool. Check it out. If you order from the Cleveland page... Um, you can uh, you'll help support the show because we get a little bit of money from that across the site. You can use the code PFTR. You should be able to and get ten percent off. That's PFTR. Should get you ten percent off. Let me know if it doesn't. You can just uh, you can Google the uh, Google the show. You can email the show. It's pfstaperecorder at gmail.com. We've got a new email address. How about that? All right. Uh, PFTaperecorder logo designed by Dan Coble. Uh, original music. Oh, by the way, Dan is working on a new podcast. Uh, it's going to follow the TV series Arrow. Uh, it is in the pilot phase right now, and as soon as it's up and running, we will let you know about that, and we'll link to it. Uh, let me see. Of course, original music composed and performed by John Varopoulos with a little help from me. Uh, oh, and Doug O'Connor was mixed in there as well. And uh, today's episode was written, as my friend Jimmy Dore says, yes, it was written uh, by John Bunyan, along with myself. Uh, John wrote the uh, hidden microphone piece, Mitt Romney and Reince Priebus. So I hope you enjoyed that, and Thanks to John for doing that uh, because he did it for free. And um, as I'm doing this for free, so we're all doing it for free. That's why you need to go out and buy some t-shirts and home shirts. And uh, that's going to about do it other than to say, of course, so long and thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.